Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. As always, I have Frank Madden alongside me. And Frank and I are actually going to try to keep this quick today. And we say that pretty <laughs> much every time we record. Uh, so I would say that's not going to go well. We'll probably record for about an hour and you will be bored to death, but maybe not. Uh, so, Frank, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I've, I've put that difficult Bucks weekend behind me and I'm eagerly looking forward to uh, what will surely be an easy win in San... Oh, crap. They're playing the Spurs <laughs> tomorrow. Damn it. You're going to have to wait a little while for that one. Maybe Friday. Bucks game against the Heat Friday. at home. That should be it. Yeah. Feel um, a lot better about Friday. So, okay. Let's preview this Spurs game uh, real quick. Spurs Bucks have already played this season. They played in Milwaukee earlier this year. Uh, that was on December 5th, so about a month ago. And I- I'm going to say this. I think that Spurs Bucks game was the first time in my mind I thought damn, Giannis is for sure a top 10 player in the NBA. Like he, he totally outplayed Kawhi Leonard that night. He didn't appear to be afraid of Kawhi at any point. And I know, in, and I guess I was kind of starting to think that in that Cleveland game at home when they won 118-101, that was about a week before uh, the Spurs game. But just as we kept going, it was like, Okay, any evidence I was thinking that could pop up here to make me not think that or maybe think that Cleveland game was a fa- like just a flash in the pan, something like that, those things kept disappearing. <laughs> like every out I was looking for, like I'm a Bucks fan, I can't have nice things. There's got to be some flaw here and yeah, there there isn't. The Bucks lost that game 97-96, um but it was the same it was it was it was a time I felt good about the the Bucks clutch play, kind of. Like, the final play felt right. Like, Giannis went to the basket, spun a couple times, saw Leonard, extra pass, extra pass, Toledovich wide open three, Bucks end up missing it. Obviously, before that, there was some struggles as well. Jabari had a turnover. I think Giannis had two turnovers. They struggled in the clutch in that game. So that game, to me, kind of remains vivid in my memory. One, because they stuck with the Spurs, and the Spurs are, I believe, were undefeated at on the road at that point. Um, so they took it. I mean, they were, they were right there with the Spurs. Giannis outplayed Kawhi in my mind, didn't appear to be afraid, didn't appear to be, didn't appear to be worried at all about, about Kawhi and puts up a big stat line. And then that final play, it, it just felt so right. It was, it was me in my head imagining that's the play LeBron would make. He would attack the basket. He would see a double team and he would make the extra pass, and his teammate would make the extra pass, and they'd get a wide-open corner three. That would be a LeBron James play, and that that stuck in my mind. Do you have any of those same memories? I guess, what are you thinking going into the Spurs game? Well, I'm thinking if the Bucks 
get a Mirza Toledovic wide open three to win this game, um, I would feel thrilled with <laughs> with that result. Yeah. Um, but I think that would uh, that would definitely buck the odds. I know I was looking at uh, Number Fire, which runs sort of these probabilistic, uh, you know, projections and things like that. Um, they had the Bucks as a 16 percent chance of winning uh, in San Antonio tomorrow. The Spurs uh, had a weird start to the year. They lost a number of games at home. They've lost four times at home. They um, were undefeated, I think, for the longest time last year uh, before the Warriors, I think, snapped the, their streak uh, at home. So it, it is interesting. You know, they, they've been at least at times vulnerable. I believe the Magic blew them out most. I think that was their most recent loss at home. So they've had kind of these random games where things have kind of <laughs> gone against them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're, they're a team that, like last year, even without Tim Duncan this season, uh, they're first in the league in defensive rating. So, uh, you know, again, they, they maybe aren't, like, as historically awesome defensively as they were a year ago, but they're still terrific defensively. Um, offensively, they're fifth in the league, 113 net rating or offensive rating. Um, so, you know, again, I, I think this year... When I look at that San Antonio team and you look at some of the guys that they bring off the bench in particular, I mean, you know, guys like David Lee uh, are playing major roles. Um, you know, the, the, there's the, there's, you know, Davis Bertans we saw get kicked out, I think, in the Milwaukee yeah. game. I mean, he's a young guy, um, has had some some nice moments for them. Um, but, you know, some some younger guys, you know, Tony Parker is a guy who I think he's played better of late, but. I mean, when I look at Tony Parker, I just think of a guy who is probably the biggest reason why I just, I just don't see the Spurs being able to win a championship. I just don't think um, in the backcourt they just I mean, Danny Green's a really good player. But I just think with Tony Parker, um, I, I just can't see him, you know, having sort of the the legs and the, and the wheels to to keep up with with point guards in, in sort of this modern game. And you look at all the top point guards, especially on some of the best teams out there. So, um, you know, they have some vulnerabilities. But I mean, look, Kawhi Leonard still terrific on both ends. I think the Bucks benefited from him really looking kind of disinterested for three quarters. Um, it was like he wasn't even looking for a shot, and he was being guarded by Jabari for much of that time. Yeah. He really he really turned it on in the fourth quarter, um, played a big role in them uh, making some big shots late uh, and getting them over the hump. But as you said, the Bucks had their chances, um, you know, turnovers and and plays that you wish you had back from Giannis and Jabari included um you know another game that that you look back on and say man they could have won that game and and even against a really good uh, you know a really good team like the Spurs so definitely a really tough tough matchup tomorrow i think um either the Spurs have won 10 straight uh, against the Bucks i think maybe in San Antonio or, or they're going for their 10 something like that i thought i saw it today so um, let's just say don't go into this one with high expectations. Um, but again, you hope that Giannis is feeling good after um, illness knocked him out of the game on Sunday. Hopefully he's feeling better. Uh, and, you know, hopefully he gets back to, to what we've expected of him. And again, you hope that they can step up and, um, you know, again, kind of bring it against a Spurs team that is first in the league in three point shooting percentage, but is actually 28th in attempts. So, um, again, kind of an interesting team because, you know, we talk about the Bucks being susceptible to threes. Spurs shoot 41% from three, which is phenomenal. Um, but they don't shoot that many, right? They tend to play. Yeah. Obviously, they've got some some big guys who who play. Uh, Parker doesn't really shoot threes. Um, you know, some some other rotation guys like Jonathan Simmons, we don't think of him as like a big three-point shooter either. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if um, if maybe that, <laughs> maybe that, you know, if, if they can not shoot that many threes, maybe they have a cold night from three. Um, you know, you think that would certainly be a prerequisite to the Bucks being competitive. Yeah, it's, it's one where... Because of what they did at home, I want to feel upbeat and optimistic, and 
I, I just want to push the weekend out of my mind and think again, you know what? This Bucks team is fun, and I like watching them, and I want good things to happen to them. And then the the overwhelming reality just sets in like, no, man, they're in San Antonio, and they've been struggling as of late. So probably not best to get your hopes up for that one. Um, I, I do think, too, it's going to be interesting to see injuries are, are playing a role here. We talked about uh, Michael Beasley and whether or not he'd be able to play last time after a game, he, he had a, a smaller injury and he seemed very upbeat and thought he could play. And uh, I do think everyone thinks he's, he's going to be able to play. I, I think him and Giannis and Rashad Vaughn are all listed as probable for the game tomorrow. Uh, so I guess we'll kind of see if they're able to, all three are able to go. I just, I'm, I guess I, I'm probably shouldn't assume Giannis is going to play. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what to do with an illness. I I don't have enough experience with that. He sh- I'm assuming he plays, but I mean, if you have the flu, it could be it could be three days. Like that wouldn't be that wouldn't be unheard of uh, to have it for that long. So I guess we'll see there. That I think that'll play a major role. So injuries will play a major role. And I, I guess one other topic you wanted to talk about today was. Uh, a more major injury and one that has kind of uh, just been laying in the shadows here as of late, right? Yeah, I feel like at this point we're kind of obligated to talk about it. Sort of the the elephant in the room, at least uh, if if elephants were suddenly good things. Um, Chris Middleton, we we've talked about uh, from the start of the season. I think our operating assumption was that Chris Middleton would not be back; that the Bucks should not count on him being back. And certainly with our expectations being, you know, lower for the season than um, the way they've played so far, they've, you know, obviously been competitive enough to, to make a playoff berth, um, a very realistic thing to shoot for. You know, that wasn't really what we were thinking back in November when, you know, they're back in October when the preseason started and, you know, we saw the team starting the season without Chris Middleton. So. I think it's interesting, though, because if you go back and, and you look, I mean, this this goes back to, um, you know, we've heard kind of murmurs over the possibility of Middleton coming back for a little while now. Um, and on December 22nd, there was this piece in the Journal Sentinel by, from Charles Gardner. And, you know, Middleton himself talked about um, the earliest possibly him coming back would be around the All-Star break in mid-February, which, um, you know, would give him a couple months to end the season. I think if you look back at six months from when he got injured, that would have put him coming back like end of March or so, which, you know, would have been like, I don't know, seven, seven games or something yeah. like that. You know, like not not that many games. And certainly if they were out of the playoff race or something like that, you would say, you know, why why bother risking anything? Um but, you know, he says, hey, that that's, you know, his, his line was that that was just if everything went perfectly. So hope things go, hopefully things go that way. Um, so, you know, again, he's kind of opening the door to to the possibility of coming back and and really being able to play um, a meaningful role in this season, um, which obviously if if he's healthy, that that would be great. And, you know, he mentioned, I feel like I definitely be I'll definitely be back this year, barring a setback or anything like that. But the way this team is playing, I'm not going to rush. So, okay, yes, not going to rush. I think that's the main thing. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, are, are you now thinking, hey, Chris Middleton is is a good shot to to be back in the Bucks lineup, um, perhaps in sometime in February, or are you still kind of like not allowing yourself to <laughs> to accept that possibility? Um, I think I've been trying to hedge against that for a while. Like, I don't know. You know what? He'll, he'll be back when he, he'll be back, and. and I guess that's where I'll start. I think the most important thing here is that the Bucks are not trying to hurry Chris Middleton back. 
They are not going to do make him do anything he's not comfortable with. He that there's just not going to be any pressure on Chris Middleton that hey you need to get back right now. They are going to deal with it professionally. They're going to deal with it, it and no matter how much time it's going to take, Chris Middleton will be back and ready when Chris Middleton is back and ready. So uh, I, I think that's one thing a lot of people have a concern with. Like, can this person come back that soon? Are the Bucks making him come back too soon? That should not be your concern. I, I don't think you need to have any worries about the organization and how they're going to deal with him. Uh, that just doesn't doesn't seem like something they would do. And uh, I think we've all heard just overwhelmingly great things about uh, the the physical training team, the health science, and everything that the Bucks do. Um, I think we've all heard overwhelmingly good things. So I'll start there. Two, Chris Middleton has been getting a good sweat at the practice facility for I don't even know how long. I mean, anytime you're there, you'll see him shooting around and doing stuff like that. And it was funny, the day KG was in town, so that would have been the day after the Spurs game at home, so that would have been December 6th or so, uh, at practice kind of waiting around. And then all of a sudden you saw Middleton hanging out with KG and talking to him, and then all of a sudden you saw Middleton going through uh, – I'm I'm not going to say he wasn't going one-on-one or anything. It was all just by himself, just doing drills. But all of a sudden, by the end of it, his shirt was a different color. He was sweating pretty good. And to me, that like that day, I was like, huh. I was not expecting to see Chris Middleton be able to start to work up a sweat quite like that. And it, it was mostly just set shooting and some ball handling drills and n- nothing sprinting, going full speed or anything. But that was a, a good hard workout. And, and I guess one thing to remember with Chris is that he has recovered from injuries before. I know at Texas A&M, I think a big thing that uh, they kind of regret from Chris's time in college is that he might have come back a little bit too soon at Texas A&M from his, I, I'm trying to think if it was an ankle or a knee at Texas A&M. Um, it, was a, it was a knee injury. I think it was, a, I think he had his, his knee scoped. Yeah, so that knee injury had it scoped, and and I think it when when he's talked about it, he's thought he's maybe he came back a little bit too soon on that one, and so really, so really that puts a whole nother level on this. That if there's not going to be any rushing of Chris because Chris understands what it's like when you do rush back from an injury. Uh, so I do think certainly I think there's a better chance than I thought that we'd see him this year I for a while I kind of put in my head like okay we're probably not going to see him and then I thought for a little bit like okay they'll be out of it they'll probably be at 33 wins whatever uh, they'll be on pace or something like that and then maybe Chris can come back for the final seven games come off the bench get 20 minutes a game or something and just kind of get back into the swing of things and now it's okay maybe maybe he can come back with about a month left in the season and I, I'm I'm not willing to go to him being ready to go for the first game immediately after the All Star break. I'm not I'm not there yet, uh, but it, it does sound like Chris and the Bucks train staff uh, feel confident that he'll be back around that time. So it's going to be 
fascinating to see one when he does come back two what he looks like when he comes back and three how the bucks utilize him once he once he does come back yeah i would start by saying in in suki we trust uh suki <laughs> hobson of course who uh who worked so closely with uh, jabari parker and and obviously we're, we're seeing uh the fruits of of her and and the rest of the training staff's work um with jabari bringing him back from his acl injury as, as well as i mean a guy like Giannis, who obviously um, physically hasn't had, you know, knock on wood, um, major injuries, but has obviously developed physically. And, and that's been a big part of, of his development. Yeah. Um, I think the interesting with Chris is, you know, on the one hand, he shoots, you know, uh, his jump shot doesn't involve much jumping. Um, yeah. And so, you know, intuitively, it's it's kind of tempting to say, well, you know, the, the way he kind of shoots like little warm up shots is basically how he shoots in games. Um, you know, he's not a guy who, who gets a ton of elevation on his jumpers anyway. Um, so maybe he can kind of come back, come back and be kind of a, you know, spot up uh, type guy, maybe play that kind of secondary role. And, um, you know, I think it's been refreshing to say, to see him say, you know, to the effect of like, Hey, I'm, I don't need the ball to be effective. You know, I know people, people have been worried that he's going to be, you know, too ball dominant when he comes back, yeah. whenever that is. Um, whenever he's healthy and and oh, uh, they're not going to be enough shots for him, Jabari and Giannis. As little Chris Middleton was the guy that was like, "I'm demanding the ball, Jason Kidd. You give me the ball at the end of the game." Like, come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, and obviously, you know, look, he he obviously was the crunch time guy for for long stretches last year, and I think he deserved that last year, obviously, and um, obviously this year. Uh, it's not like anybody else has necessarily made a really compelling case to be the crunch time guy, not accepting uh, Giannis's uh, obviously his heroics at the Garden. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, when he came back from that knee injury in college, I, th- I think in his his last year at A and M, I think he only shot like twenty seven percent from the yeah. college three point line, which is why I was kind of surprised that anybody even talked about him. Like there was always, there's always been this talk about like oh before the injury he he would have been a first round pick, and it's like you kind of look at his numbers and you're like. Isn't really not that good, and yeah. never, never like really that impressive, you know, statistically at at A and M. But you kind of wonder because you also hear about. Um, I've heard John McLaughlin bring this up a bunch of times on on radio on uh, TV broadcasts. Is that you know when you're a jump shooter and you, you're injured, your legs are not there right away, and and your jump shot a lot of times will lag behind other aspects of your game, even though you think of it as something that is not as physically demanding, right? Yeah. Um, and I think. Jabari Parker is an interesting example of that. He really struggled from mid-range even. Obviously, he didn't even really shoot a lot of threes uh, when he was coming back from the injury last year. took him a long time, really, until the second half of the season before he really got comfortable shooting jumpers. And, you know, we saw a lot of highlight reel dunks for him from him pretty early on, which was yeah. a little bit counterintuitive. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if Middleton comes back, can he be an effective spot-up three-point shooter? Um, you know, you don't think of him as, you know, suddenly being the guy you're going to throw into to ball hand, you know, ball handling and pick and rolls all the time, things like that, given the other personnel. But um, but I think it'll be interesting to watch, you know, uh, can he come back and, and be effective right away? Or um, And I think that's really a thing. Like, granted, you, you're, after that much time off, you're not going to expect him to come in and immediately average, you know, 15 points on 40% three-point shooting. But if, you know, I think that's sort of the little bit of the question, you know, let him come back when he's ready to be, you know, close to <laughs> a good player again. You know, don't put him in a position where um, where he can't be effective. And, and I think that just causes more problems both physically and, and confidence-wise. So it'll be interesting to see. So one last question before we leave. And I haven't made my mind up on this myself. Um, I originally was going to say throw him into the starting five, even if you're going to J-O-B start him and, and just bring him out <laughs> early. Um, but I don't know, maybe, 
given that this type of injury, maybe you do put him in the second unit where defensively he's not going to be tested quite as much as certainly Tony Snell is, is asked to, to, to be tested defensively. Mm-hmm. We've seen him be a primary defender on, on a lot of very good players, including Russell Westbrook and, and obviously a lot of wings. Um, I don't know. What, what would you imagine? Do you think Chris Middleton goes straight into the starting five like Jabari Parker did a year ago? Or do you think they may take him and bring him back a little bit more slowly? I think mentioning Tony Snell is the big thing here is that whether or not Chris is going to be a 40% knockdown shooter, well, if he's, if he's going to take 10 of Tony Snell's minutes away, well... Tony Snell's not a 40% three-point shooter. So that's not necessarily uh, what he would have to fill in on this team uh, to not be a, I don't want to say dragging the team down, but if he if he does have some things to work through as, as he comes back from this injury, which he certainly will, that he's not necessarily going to drag down the team or the team's performance um, because he, he can't hit a shot. So I, I think... I think the big question is whether or not you want to use him in crunch time um, because I, I think we've seen in the last little while that if you want to use a bench guy in crunch time, it can make for very interesting rotations uh, like we've seen with Monroe. And with Monroe, if, he, if he's finishing games, that means what? He's going to play the final 14 minutes, 16 minutes. 18 minutes like if you're going to use him as a closer Chris Middleton well then I don't know do you just start him so you can get those early minutes and get him in a a normal kind of idea or is his ball handling and pick and roll is is his playmaking helpful to the second unit that okay maybe he's more helpful to the second team uh to start and then as a whole, then you can get him into the starting lineup or, or whatever it may be. Um, so me personally, I think you probably start with him coming off the bench. And again, if that means Tony Snell plays a little bit less each game, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. And well, if, or no Jason Terry, <laughs> I was just gonna say, or if Jason Terry doesn't play all that much, uh, again, I don't think that's a bad thing either. So, um, I would say probably bench to start, but I think you could probably make a compelling argument uh, to start him right away as well. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. And I think the, the big thing, and, and look, we I mean, we joke about Jet. I mean, I think if you had told me that, that Jet would play like he has, and I think he's he's a guy who still works hard on defense. You know, he obviously has limitations. Um, he knows his role on offense. He's He moves a lot on offense. He's not a guy that's just going to stand there and, and sit around and wait for kickouts, even though obviously he's a spot-up guy. Um, and, you know, look, look at his net rating, right? I mean, not that he's responsible for the fact that he's one of the best net rating guys. Like, obviously, there's there's a lot of other things that go into that. But um, I, I don't think you can look at Jet and say that he's hurt this team when he's up and on the court, right? Which is a really valuable thing when you think of the role he's playing and the fact that he's filling in effectively, you know, kind of with the way that the um, the minutes have shaken out with Snell being upgraded to a starter and, and Terry having to fill in effectively for 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 Middleton, basically, um, I think you can be happy with that. But certainly, Chris Middleton is the future of that position, and it'll be interesting to see. And I think the other interesting thing is, I mean, if he comes back anytime in February, that's basically like a trade acquisition, right? Yeah. Um, the trade deadlines in mid-February. Um, we've, you know, kind of talked a little bit about types of guys that the Bucks might want to go after. Obviously, shooting is always the big thing that you'd want to see the Bucks go after. And <laughs> Chris Middleton, you know, just randomly popping up on your roster available assuming that he's you know anywhere close to the player he has been 
that's a pretty awesome trade <laughs> trade uh, trade deadline acquisition when especially when you don't have to give anything up for him. So I think that'll be interesting to see as well because certainly um, Bucks may have less interest in in making a a trade with. Um, you know, with with in mind of getting a shooter, uh, if they think Middleton's coming back somewhere on the deadline, I, th- I think you still probably want to get rid of one of the centers if you can. But uh, that's probably another story, and um, we obviously are on record as being pro Greg Monroe in Milwaukee. Yeah. So, um, I, so I was we will say, um, I think overall the exciting thing to me is that you can sort of start to work through and experiment with some of the the synergy that you're going to have to try to create between Giannis and Jabari and Chris and how you're going to try to use them all and and I think it's it's nice that he's doing it that it it appears at least that he's going to be able to come back this year so even if you get 5 games of it, 10 games of it, 15 games of it, whatever it may be, if you get those games out of the way now, then that's not that's not something you have to do at the start of next season. And you don't have to try to figure out what you have with him and the plays that might work. You can experiment with some of that stuff this this year. And, again, obviously the goal for the Bucks is to make the playoffs, and they're not going to want to blow games because of experiments with Chris Middleton. But there is some time here where you can work through these things and try to start to figure some of those things out. And, and to me, that might be one of the most exciting parts of this, that Chris's – maybe a little bit quicker than expected uh, arrival back into playing can help out with that and, and, and help the Bucks, the future Bucks, what, whatever you want to call the, the 27-18 Bucks. He'll be helping out that roster and that team and that record as well by being able to come back this year and get some of those things out of the way. Yeah, so the moral of the story is Chris Middleton, take your time. We love you. Yeah, man, chill. You're all Do good. Do your thing. Don't. We'd, we'd love to see you back this year. Hopefully he will. Um, get back to you know good enough health that he can come back and um, hopefully make some kind of impact for this team. But uh, certainly, uh, all priority should be given to his health, and um, I, I think the Bucks will do that. I hope Chris Middleton will do that. Um, but uh, we'll see probably in the next uh, I don't know six to eight weeks. We'll probably have a good sense of of whether that's going to happen sooner or, or later. Definitely, and that's going to be it for us for today on Locked On Bucks. We got to preview that Spurs game. We got to talk a little bit about Chris Middleton, something that. I don't think we were expecting to talk about uh, this early. So that's an, that's very exciting. And, and hopefully our, our post-game wrap-up of the Spurs is as exciting for you tomorrow. As always, thanks for <laughs> listening. Uh, go out, subscribe, uh, wherever you may find it. Give us a review on iTunes. Those are always appreciated. Um, but, yeah, until tomorrow, I've been Eric Name. That's been Frank Madden. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll see you later.